Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. But for this episode and the next, we are talking all about the final two installments of HBO's Game of Thrones. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am Dire Maiden Oxley. On today's episode, uh, no. You're welcome, Nick. You know you love that. I got it. Okay, I got it. Uh, no roundtable style this time. We're kicking it old school with just me and Dyer in the room talking about Thrones. We'll recap the episode and get into our reactions to it, including my pitch for the one thing that could have fixed this entire season in terms of storytelling. And we'll give our final predictions for who sits the Iron Throne, or the equivalent of it anyway, at the end of all of this. After that, Dyer sat down with notable nerd and Cairo 7 meteorologist Nick Allard. We had gone back and forth on Twitter about Thrones, and we thought it would be fun to have him on the show, and he was gracious enough to stop by and do just that and give his take on this season of Game of Thrones. That's coming up after Dyer and I discuss the episodes. Stick around for that. There's only one last thing to say. Valar Podcastus. All men must podcast. That music can only mean one thing. It means that we're here to talk about Game of Thrones, Episode 5, Season 8, titled The Bells. The perfect music to listen to as Danny is surfing up the coast. (laughs) I see what you did there. I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, we don't have a guest this week, but do stick around for a interview with Cairo 7 nerdy meteorologist Nick Allard, a.k.a. The Other Nick, a.k.a. This Week is the Game of Nicks. You win or you die. It's like it's like a half guess because because uh, we were recording when you weren't able to make it for the interview. So I I got Nick in a studio, the other Nick in a studio. So I still had a Nick in a studio. <laughs> it's a very and, familiar feeling for you. Yeah. And I tried to follow your format as best as possible as Dyer interpreting Nick while interviewing Nick. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Okay. And that makes what I'm about to say probably a little weird for you because I was about to say we're going to throw out the format that we've been following all season. <laughs> well, it's still <laughs> it in there in a way. I mean, you still live on in, in a way in, in that format. Yeah. If, if the only thing I, I could do to, you well. <laughs> to preview everybody for everybody else is that uh, the, the theme that the other Nick and I did was that we felt this was the heavy metal episode and that's kind of what we went with and ran Ooh. with. Yeah. I love that. I mean, nothing is more metal than Clegane Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I need like an Iron Maiden style, yeah. Because one of them is a zombie yeah. T-shirt of Clegane Bowl. This doesn't awesome. uh, give Drogon overhead, fire everywhere. It'll be great. This doesn't give anything away. I wanted to listen to Ride the Lightning during this episode, mm. and uh, other Nick. <laughs> How weird is it for him? By it's the way, weird. definitely more famous than either of us. Exactly, but he's the other Nick on this <laughs> People show. People <laughs> actually know who he is. Um, but yeah, uh, Nick Allard uh, basically said, "No, no, 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 no." For whom the bell tolls? Oh my God! Right? He should really do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. So we're gonna switch things up a little bit. Um, our other categories that we've been doing, like uh, "I'm not crying, you're crying." I didn't really have a moment like this, like that, for this week. Uh, didn't want to force it. So we're going to add in a couple other things and a couple other responses to the conversation going on around Game of Thrones that I wanted to get to. Like a little bit later, I want to get into what do we really want from this show and this season? Because out there you have the backlash to Benioff and Weiss and then the backlash to the backlash 
of that of people trying to not necessarily defend the show, but tear down the criticisms of it. So I wanted to to get into what we actually want from the show a little bit later, as well as uh, the big question for this episode: What's going on with Danny? Uh, we will, of course, still do who died, um, but we will probably skip some of the other ones. So let's get right into the recap then, because that's where we start each one of these things. We start episode five with Tyrion watching Varys clumsily try to turn John against Daenerys on the beach of Dragonstone, then finally goes to talk to his queen about the John, aka Aegon Targaryen situation. Tyrion opens up that conversation about Danny's competitor for the throne by framing it as the betrayal of someone other than him against his queen, which Danny does not take very kindly. Uh, she's naturally feeling isolated, uh, a bereaved, aggrieved, and dangerous. So she correctly calls out what has actually been going on because Tyrion came in there trying to say that Varys is plotting against you. And she's like, no, John betrayed me. John told Sansa. Sansa told you. You told Varys. And this is partially your fault but John's fault all in the beginning, really, along with Santa. So she sentences Varys to death, and uh, he gets scorched. She gets the old Dracarys down on the beach, which, honestly, pretty ceremonial for him. He's been taking a lot of L's. I feel like he hasn't really done much. As a master of whispers, he had one spy that we've seen for the last, like, three seasons. He didn't know anything about the, where the Iron Fleet was going to be. Uh, he didn't know anything about uh, the Golden Company coming. Like, He's been doing nothing. He should have been fired a while ago. Anyway, so that's what happens to Varys. Uh, bye. John and Danny, uh, after that, have a quiet moment together where John reassures her that he is loyal to her despite going against her wishes and telling his family his real ancestry. And Danny decides in that moment that it is time to take King's Landing because there's nothing else to wait around for. Um, Grey Worm is naturally all about it because he's upset with Cersei as well. Tyrion tries to convince Danny not to burn the city down and then goes off to betray her again by helping his brother Jamie escape and setting up an entire escape plan for both Jamie and the uh, usurper queen who occupies the Iron Throne of the queen he actually serves. The armies array outside the gates of King's Landing the next morning as the small folk seek refuge inside the inner walls of the port city. Euron and the Iron Fleet station themselves in Blackwater Bay where they await Danny and Drogon to fly over them, since that's in the direct path of uh, from Dragonstone to King's Landing. And Danny and Drogon do just that. And this time, it's the flight of their lives. They're not just hanging around up in the sky, waiting to get hit with gigantic crossbow bolts. They're dodging, and they're repositioning. They're waiting for reloads and then burning people. They destroy the Iron Fleet in very little time. And they're so nimble that all the scorpions are getting destroyed. Uh, we see Euron Greyjoy jump off of a ship. And he ends up swimming to safety over on Dragonstone. But Drogon is just too fast and too explosive to be stopped. They make short work of them. And then, in just a glorious moment for the Golden Company, you see them all, all set up in their golden armor, shining, oh. gleaming in the morning sun. And behind them, boom! Just Drogon blasting a hole in the walls of King's Landing. And that was the signal that Danny told Grey Worm to wait for. And then you have the uh, the Northern Army, the Unsullied, the Dothraki, and the Knights of the Vale, and whoever else they brought along with them. It's really unclear, but those are at least the sigils and the recognizable uh, dressing that we can tell from the people who are in this battle. I'll charge in the gates and start uh, 
destroying the Lannister army within, as well as mopping up the Golden Company. By the way, goodbye, Captain Harry Strickland. You had like two lines, and you were a huge red herring. Turns he out did, you were nobody. He did some great face acting. <laughs> I'm not sure he was had all in his face. <laughs> we barely knew you. All right, so uh, Danny and John's army charges into the city, and it's an immediate route. They're just wrecking people. Like this is what the Dothraki do. They conquer cities. They sack cities, and it's exactly what they do here again. Uh, they do so well that a stalemate naturally occurs as the Lannister army gets compressed into the narrow streets of the city. And in the stalemate, we hear the bells, the titular bells, ring out, which means that the Lannister forces are surrendering the city to the uh, the conquering heroes. And the men standing directly in front of Jon and Grey Worm as they are uh, facing off against a group of Lannister soldiers in the streets throw down their weapons as they hear the bells. But Danny. Daenerys, our queen, lands Drogon on the walls outside the city, or on the wall that rings the entire city. All of the scorpions are gone. This thing is so clearly, clearly lost for the forces of King's Landing. And she looks around, and she sees her ancestral home, her other ancestral home, not Dragonstone, but the Red Keep. (laughs) And she thinks, you know what? They don't get to call when the game ends. The game doesn't end until my buzzer. And she flies Drogon into the sky and just starts raining down fire all over the city, just indiscriminately killing soldiers and small folk alike, destroying homes, shops, whatever. There is fire all over the city as her and Drogon just fly around destroying everything. The invading army takes this as a sign that surrender is not an option for the Lannisters. And Grey Worm is the one who restarts the fighting because he he speaks the language of war. You know, he speaks the language of uh, of Dracarys, of Dragonfire. He picks up his spear and launches it into a Lannister captain. Chaos ensues. Jon's trying desperately to stop people. The Northmen are disobeying him. Jon is uh, also fighting for his life because the Lannisters have picked up their weapons again and are trying to defend themselves. Do the Thraki get back to doing what they do best? The Unsullied do what they do best and just mercilessly kill people on order? Elsewhere, we see Jamie trying to get to Cersei via secret ways into the Red Keep. He makes his way to the dinghy down on the beach that Tyrion had arranged for them to take out of the city. But who is there but Euron freaking Greyjoy? What a coincidence. Just, you hate what to see What are the it. odds? Just, what are the odds? Swam away from the wreckage of his fleet left by uh, Danny and Drogon's destruction, and the two of them fight. Jamie just barely comes out on top, and Euron bleeds out from the belly, and declaring himself the man who killed Jamie Lannister, which, by the way, felt like a really wrong character note. This is a braggadocious character in the books who claims to have sailed every sea in the world and to have done amazing, unspeakable things that no one else in existence has even claimed to do. But for his dying moment, he's going to brag about killing Jamie Lannister? Like, who cares? Who cares about the Kingslayer? Like he slayed the Kingslayer. It's just it's just emblematic of the show not understanding what to do with these characters, and again failing to build up anybody introduced in the late seasons. It's a similar problem that they had with the Sand Snakes, who should have been really awesome and were instead the butt of very many jokes. Back to the recap. Uh, By this point, Arya and the Hound have used the chaos in the streets to make their way into the Red Keep, but they can see that the entire thing might come down on top of them. So the Hound convinces Arya to give up her quest to kill Cersei in revenge because 
Cersei's going to die anyway. And look what revenge gets you. It gets you a life like the Hounds, which is not one that Arya wants. And as if snapped out of a spell, Arya Stark realizes the truth of what the Hound is saying and tries to make her way out of the city. And we get a really excellent uh, POV journey with her as she tries to escape just the chaos and carnage and explosions and fear and just pandemonium in the streets of King's Landing. Meanwhile, the Hound uh, steps onward to face his zombie brother in the fight that neither of them will leave alive. And that's exactly what we get. The Hound finds his brother, the Mountain, two great nicknames, by the way, Sander and Gregor Clegane, respectively. And they face off. It's the Clegane Bowl that everybody wanted. There's a dragon flying overhead. Like you said, the entire thing is incredibly metal. Like if if you wanted to make some album mm-hmm. art of any scene in this in this show, it would be their fight on the stairway to nowhere with a gigantic eight foot zombie man fighting a scarred, broken man who is only good at one thing, killing. Like that could have been a movie all its own. I thought it was I thought it was excellent with dragons. The mountain is basically unkillable because he's dead anyway. The hound just keeps on stabbing him over and over again, even stabbing him through the face, and the mountain still comes at him. Although somehow the hound, not dying from all the times that he was thrown around, even though we see the mountain just destroy the back of Kyburn's skull with like the flick of a wrist a second ago. They continue to tangle until finally the hound understands what's happening. Uh, he knows that there is no way he's going to walk away from this fight, and he tackles his brother through a wall and into the fire hundreds, hundreds of feet below the tower where they were fighting. Elsewhere in the city, John finally gets his forces to snap out of their bloodlust mob mentality, and they begin to fall back, but not before John has to kill a would-be rapist in Northern Armor. Jamie can, I, finds- can I just interject one thing in there, yeah, just sure. to give a little teaser for later on? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what I said was on John's face, the oh crap face when all this is going on. Uh, Nick Allard basically describes it as, yeah, you know, in Arrested Development where they're like, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's the face he had on yeah, during that. Pretty much. Uh, elsewhere, back in the Red Keep, Jamie finds Cersei in the map room and attempts to lead her out of the castle via the secret way that Tyrion told him to take. They hit a dead end, and Jamie dies just the way he said he wanted to in the arms of the woman he loves, and Cersei gets a honestly pretty chill death. She dies of rubble. Yeah. Not so bad. The city is just utterly destroyed. The sack is near complete, and as the smoke and ash clear, we go back to Arya, who is incapacitated by one of the explosions and rubble falling everywhere. She wakes up to see thoroughly burned bodies around her, including uh, a pair of people who had helped her escape the danger and violence earlier in her uh, mad dash through the city. She mounts a pale white horse and rides for the city wall where it is probably safe so who died let's run it down cersei lannister jamie lannister euron Greyjoy, and a lot of the iron fleet kyburn the hound the mountain a lot of people from king's landing the bulk of the lannister army and all of cersei's queen's guard the golden company and captain harry strickland some of the northern army unsullied dothraki and knights of the vale who came in and did the fighting and uh, pillaging and sacking. Did I miss anybody, Dyer? Varys. Oh, yeah, Varys. But that was, that was that the start, yeah. right? That happened, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, because I, I wrote down on my list, I got everybody that you got, but then instead of just listing off the soldier I just wrote, dot, 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 everyone. <laughs> Helpful. Soldier, citizen, <laughs> King's Landing, Soldier everyone. number three, soldier number four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's just get your initial reaction to this episode. I'm going to have a lot of little quibbles with it. 
Okay. Sure. Um, things that I think are, are disappointing, things that I think um, they are not delivering to fans. And I understand high expectations, blah, blah, blah. There's certain things in there that I think I can critique. But in the end, yes, I did like this episode. You know, I'm not going to say, like, yes, I love this episode. At the end of it, okay, I'm happy this is happening. Um, and we can get into the, the things that I feel that are just kind of lacking in my view later on. Um, you know, I think the easiest thing to point out that kind of encapsulates it is the Cersei death. Um, there's a lot more, I think, you could, if you're in a writer's room and you're saying, okay, here's this one character we have, fans are very invested, we have this storyline, we're plotting out points, you know, how do we kill this person? There's so many ways that you could try to do a payoff with that, and I felt like in a writer's room, in that writer's room, you should be aware at that moment to say, oh, crushing them, okay. Like, you should know then and say, that's, we shouldn't do that. You know, maybe there's another way to do this. Um, you know, even even having Arya just have a chance encounter with them, or or even, you know, I know I predicted Jamie would kill her, and I was wrong. You were right. Let's just revel in that moment right now. <laughs> I mean, he kind of did. Not yeah, really. I just feel like... I think it was Danny, really. I feel like that, yeah, that's, okay, that's true. That's a good way to put it. Just really, uh, I, I felt was not a, as good of a payoff, in, in, in a sense, to, to kill that character off, which we all knew. We all knew she was going to die at some point. Yeah, she had to die at some yeah. point. Um, I think that's kind of the sentiment I feel with a lot of other steps in this story of just something I feel like in the writer's room, they should have known better, but they still went forward with it. But yeah. Because I have now watched, honestly, too many videos of Benioff and Weiss talking, I think that their defense would go something like this. It's a subversion of expectation. Yeah. To have her die in this way. So that seems uh, Martin-esque to them, even though it might not seem like it on its face. And then two, they were so focused in on Jamie's journey that I think that they wrote this as really Jamie's death, not Cersei's, which is unfortunate. And emblematic of the writers time and time again choosing to service male characters rather than female characters in big moments like this. Um, we can also point towards uh, John's reactions to what Danny is doing. Even though we don't really see Danny while she's doing what she's doing, we see her beforehand and then we just see like glimpses of Drogon mm-hmm. after that. Um, it would have been great to, to even get like one shot of Daenerys as she's on the dragon. Is she enjoying this? Is she like, this needs to happen? Is she just determined? What is her, what's her face? What's her calculus? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I was fine with how they died. I was fine yeah. with how they died. I, it, it felt appropriate to me. I was okay. just waiting for it to happen. And then it did. And it felt kind of thronesian in that way. Okay. I accept that. I just, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I I picked that point just because I thought it was the easiest to explain that there's just a lot of stuff going on that I feel like they could have invested more in or thought things out a little bit more. I'll take your oh, well, that's uh, absolutely Dan- true. Your Danny point of um, you know, what's going on in that dragon? You know, like <laughs> um, but to, as even even as a bigger view, okay. Mm-hmm. At the end of this episode, I feel like they're they're leaning into all right. She's you know, we've had the Mad King. Now we have the Mad Queen, maybe. That's yeah. where we're going. She has uh, jumped the shark, 
of being the the chain breaker to the city destroyer, you know? And I feel I have not received the necessary plot points to really bridge that gap if you want to go that direction. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot that's going on there of, okay, we're killing off everybody that's around her, who's important to her. John's not really into the... To you know, sleeping with his aunt and having a relationship. Yeah, what's you know? wrong with him? Yeah, um, so he, that relationship is you know kind of gone for her. I I understand that there's this kind of isolationist thing that they were kind of writing around her, um, but uh, I I still feel at that moment when she decides, okay, I'm super angry, um, now I'm going to destroy the city. I feel like I didn't get the bridge. To that gap and it's got to be something more than you know saying that she burned sam's family you know his father and brother it's got to be something more than just you know she's looking out the window and looks like you know she's got bags under her eyes and she hasn't slept for days and hasn't eaten or something Braids like are coming out yeah it's gotta it's gotta be more than that yeah i think what i think what you're upset with and this is one case where i don't think that it's the pace because We've always seen Danny flirt with her violent tendencies. Um, but what's been at the core of all of those times is a righteousness. And in this case, the righteousness was completely gone. And that's why it felt like such a shift. Right? We've seen her do some right? brutal, violent things. Remember when, uh, oh, now I can't remember which city in Essos it was that they were marching towards, but it was one of the slaveholding ones. And every hundred yards, she put they had, up an no, owner. They had crucified a slave. So what she did was crucify the right. masters. Right. Like a very, very brutal thing, like tyranty thing to do. And that was back in like season two or three. But I think the way that a lot of people accept that is, you know, there was a from, righteousness from a viewer's experience. Exactly. I think that's a perfect word to use, a righteousness to it. She, she's the breaker of chains, right? Yeah. She was doing something that might seem brutal, but it was almost like the other end of the pendulum of brutal. If, if you're going to be that bad, then in the, in the, in the spirit of doing good, I'm going to do just as much bad to you. Mm -hmm. You know, in this case, it, I, it didn't, it just felt like it was just straight up screw you, you know, and there, there really wasn't a, an ends. I mean, they, they, they painted it out with Arya, with uh, the mother and the child. They introduced these characters to us at the beginning of the episode mm -hmm. and kind of had us follow them a little bit throughout points. Yeah. They keep on popping up. For enough for us to Every care. Every time you that see them, you're died. like, Oh my God, they're still alive. Right. Well, yeah, it was Until enough they're for not. us to care that they died. Yeah, you know, and I think that was that was the whole point of them. And then, it, it I don't know. I feel a little like hurt because I I feel, I feel hurt. I I'm gonna feel try like, to help the show real quick. Okay, I'm gonna try to help the show because I hope that this is where it's going. We've always talked about the dragons as though they're they're nukes, they're weapons of mass destruction. They are the trump card in in whatever battle or war that mm -hmm. the force that has them is in. Right? They can level cities, and we just saw that happen. What Danny just did was the equivalent of dropping a nuclear bomb yeah. on a city. Like, see what I did? No one test me. This is it. It's over. No more fighting. I mm -hmm. can do this anytime I want to. I didn't even really want to do it here that bad, and I did it. Yeah. So Seven Kingdoms, everybody shut up. I'm the queen now. There was an emotional aspect to what she was doing. She was clearly very rageful. But there was a political aspect as well that I hope that the show pays off in the next episode. I really, really hope that it pays off that there was a political side to what she just did. She said that she could rule with either love or fear. Yeah. And when John 
rejects her advances again uh, this episode. She says that, let it be fear. She understands politically that she is not in a position where people will just join up with her cause because they like her. She hasn't spent any time around the realm. Um, she doesn't know her subjects really, but they can get to know her. And the best way to do that is with fear. If you're going to be a monarch, like one person should not have that much power. And one way to enable one person having that much power is to be the only person in the world with nuclear weapons. All right. Um, You can hang that over anybody and everybody you want to. And there's, there's one thing that I would have liked to have seen in this last season. And they even created the situation for it to happen, but it didn't happen. And I'm going to step on my, my tweet a little bit because I think you saw that. Um, what I really wanted to see before a battle like this is John and Danny taking advantage of the fact that John just marched down the entire realm from Winterfell uh-huh. to King's Landing. And in doing so, could have been using it as a political campaign. They should have been rallying support the entire way. Danny should have been not removed from those forces, flying over to Dragonstone to just wait. She should have been going along the way and showing people the dragons, showing her, showing everybody like, look at these magnificent beasts. They're yeah. super dangerous, but they're friendly to me. And if you're friendly to me, they're friendly to you. Right. That's what she should have been doing. There's even precedent for this in the books as well. Like I told you that I was reading uh, Fire and Blood, one of the historical texts that, George R. R. Martin released uh, this past year. The good King Jaehaerys I, a.k.a. Jaehaerys the Conciliator, uh, reigned for 55 years, and he was famous for his progresses through the realm with his dragon Vermithor, who was one of the mightiest uh, uh, dragons in the history of the realm. The purpose of these tours were twofold. One, it's an honor to receive the king and to, uh, to be able to treat him to a dinner and a feast. Like He'd be going around having parties all over the realm, basically, and purpose number two, hey, look at this badass dragon that I have. Don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah. But saying it with a smile. That's what Daenerys could have been doing for an entire episode, and it would have been awesome. Remember how much we loved watching Olena and Tywin and all of these people politic throughout the entire show? The show has completely forgotten what the politics were. Mm-hmm. It's not doing the politics anymore. And this also plays into uh, the other question that I asked at the beginning of the show. What do we really want from it? Ever since I read the books, I've always called them a political drama, but set in a fantasy realm. Okay. And I don't think that it's that anymore, uh, in the show anyway. So this brings uh, It's me not to... a political drama because it doesn't care about the politics. It's all shorthand, and they're not. no one is campaigning anymore. No one is jockeying for support. We had a couple lines where Varys said that, like, Dorne was on your side now. Why didn't she fly down there and meet whoever the new head of House Martell is? We don't even know mm-hmm. who that is. So... We don't know any of the people who are supporting her, and we don't... She doesn't think that she's liked with, throughout the realm because she's never seen it. And it's yeah. not like she didn't have time to. Cersei is in a weak position right now. What are they going to do? Just build more scorpions? Right. It's pretty clear that Drogon can beat those. And the dragons were only going to get stronger. She didn't need to rush Rhaegal down there. The show rushed this entire thing and made it such that she appeared weak and appeared isolated so that they could force the character into this place that everyone feels it didn't deserve. If you add mm. this just... A trip down the King's Road. Just actually take the time to do that in world the way that you set it up in the past. And a lot of the problems with the storytelling would have been fixed, I think. And they could have done that because I feel like a couple of these episodes they did were the. Uh, and I know I know you didn't agree with me last time I said this, but uh, a couple of these episodes I feel were just not expensive episodes. 
you know. I know it was an expensive show to put on, but I would say that the show that we just watched, uh, the Night King episode, those battles were probably far more expensive than the other ones of sitting around campfires and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, yeah. You so, know they built Winterfell, right? I know they built Winterfell. I know the whole season is more, but I'm saying per episode, it's probably more expensive than these other th- these battles, these yeah. massive battles. And so um, I feel like with those, it, it's not that hard to just go over to Belfast, I think, where they film a lot of this stuff. And... Just go down, you know, a dirt road, like you said, you know, and just say, oh, hey, here's my dragon. Oh, by the way, just want to let you know I'm new to Westeros and uh, I'm going to be your ruler. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's a wonderful point. It does bring up a Or cur- even Arya and the Hound on the road. Yeah. We got an entire season of that in the past. And that, would instead it was great, like that would be a great minutes? spinoff. That two would be minutes. a great spinoff. Which, by the way, it, it kind of bugged me that Arya and the Hound spend an entire, you know, from Winterfell through the north, down hundreds to King's Landing, hundreds of miles, down to King's Landing, and they're right there at the doorstep, and he's just like, by the way, don't turn into me. She's like, okay. And then she just turns around. You're right. <laughs> You're right. And what just did they leaves. talk about the whole time? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so it brings up a curiosity I have, just mm-hmm. everything that you just said. When the show started, it had the books, right? Yeah. At some point, and, and I know- I like where you're going, because this is the, the point the I wanted show, to talk about detracted from the books a little bit i get but they had the books as reference material yeah. but they haven't had those most of the changes were economical like right. we're not going to introduce another character because that's a lot of extra storytelling why don't we just combine this character in another one and we'll have their storylines right. be basically similar like that happened with jora uh sir barristan was basically sir barristan and like several other people all right. at the same time etc yeah but for the last few seasons or so we haven't had those books as a guide Right. It's it's been kind of like script from scratch uh, to, to, you know, in in a way to put it, they're writing this new. Do you feel that that has had an effect on the success of the story? Yes, Um, because it definitely does have a different feel. You brought up, I think, last season when we were just chit chatting about this uh, Game of Thrones seems to have lost the idea of distance. You know, um, you just mentioned it. They go hundreds of miles, but we're doing this in an episode. Yeah. And they start so, every episode with a map yeah. and then don't care about just the map. Just little things like yeah. that. And then I think with characters that they set us up these characters that they based off of the books, no more books. And then it seems like people all of a sudden start going, wait, what's going on with these characters that I love? And I feel like maybe maybe they've lost something with that guidance. Oh, they've definitely they've lost a lot. Without the guidance, I'll just I'll here's an example, um, and this is an example that uh, uh, shout out uh, Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin um, from Binge Mode for pointing out just simple things like naming things. Um, so in season six, when they're off book, uh, it's the first time we get to see the Dothraki take on a Westerosi army. Yeah, it's the loot train attack. That's the name they came up with it. Yeah, a similar battle happened in the past but it's actually canon in the books, and it was called The Field of Fire. Which one of those sounds like it was written by somebody who actually One of those sounds like a Western. Yeah, right? One of them sounds awesome. And that's just one example of how the writing has gotten just so off track and so like not true to the world anymore. You can tell that they're just, they're writing to get to a place that they want to get to 
And that's how they're mm-hmm. thinking about it. They're thinking about this thing in terms of the difficulty of it, not reveling in the opportunity of it. Every every after the episode thing is about how, well, we wanted to do this, but that would get boring. So we had to tell it a certain way. And we wanted to show that it was scary to be in that city. So we had to show more people on the ground this time, blah, blah, blah. They treat everything as though it's a challenge rather than an opportunity to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And it's the wrong way to approach this thing. This thing should be revelatory. The world building is part of why we're there and they've completely lost that. They're like trying to find ways around doing any more world building. It's, it's uh, another point that I, I kind of brought up. You used this phrase earlier, subversion of expectation. And you said that the showrunners would probably use that term um, for the way that they kind of write a lot of these points. I've always felt that this show has played with the expectations of hero and villain. Jamie's probably a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. You probably don't like him as the show goes on. Then at some point of this uh, show, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm rooting for this guy, you know, and Brienne and their trip and, and all that. And then he's a jerk again. And then he gets back together with Brienne. You're like, okay, he can live in the North. And now, you know, you go back. He's going to go back and forth, your expectations. And I'm wondering... Yeah, well, I mean, just Jamie in particular, uh, the great thing about his character, the great subversion there is that he is someone who is known for his dishonor. The Mm -hmm. most dishonorable thing he ever did was kill the person he was supposed to be protecting. But he did that to actually do the most honorable thing he's ever done, which is save hundreds of thousands of lives by the city not being sacked because he killed the king and the battle was over. And I've always wondered, yeah. Yeah, but in that vein, though, if... If we're basically just saying, okay, we expect this from all the stories that we've been told, you know, plot points, hero faces villain, hero triumphs in some way. Yeah. Uh, young Dimit- hotshot king from the north. Right. And or then, a young hotshot prince from Dorne. Right. Yeah. And then Denouement. <laughs> you really got to stop doing I that. I got to stop doing that. <laughs> Denouement. I know. Don't tweet at me. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you think that they're kind of just doing that because they feel like, because I still feel like fans want a winner. I still like fa- feel like fans want some kind of conclusion that is something that they find palatable as opposed to having the show end on a subversion of expectations. Like, you know, every everybody dies and then... Sam is on the Iron Throne or something like that. You know, like <laughs> something that people don't like expect, like... I feel like they still want a bit of a winner at the end of this. And at this point, it seems like they're just setting up in, not in the way I, I expected or predicted, but they are kind of setting up the John versus Danny scenario of yeah. just, okay, we're going to do it. It's really it Danny versus Sansa two. at this point. Yeah. With John, which being I also, the... which is kind of the, this is the reason why I, I haven't really gotten to like Sansa so much is because I think in this vein of what I'm talking about, I've been wanting a winner, but the winner I've been kind of wanting is the breaking of the wheel, the breaking of the cycle. That seems to be the message that I, I'm getting throughout this show is that it doesn't matter who's in the Iron Throne, people are still going to be killing each other for it. You know, and so that's got to end somehow. And it seems to me like Sansa has come up in a, in a way that like Cersei has in a way that she's learned to play the game. You know, Littlefinger and... And, you know, it's almost like she can calculate the way Tyrion does and she can calculate the way Cersei does. And I kind of like, no, we we need less of that now, you know, and that kind of makes me scared for the Starks. I want to I want to sidestep what you just said and instead go back to um, 
something that you were saying throughout that entire thing, which was, who are they writing the end of the show for? Mm. Um, is it so that fans like it, fans enjoy it, or is it to be a good story, or at least a story true to itself? Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you expect the show to please fans. I don't expect that. Um, I don't expect that at all. Like what you were saying with the Cersei death, which is part of why it didn't really bother me. Like I wasn't waiting for some grand, like she dies over a long period of time. Yeah. Like that would have felt incredibly cheesy if we actually got that. Yeah. Um, it just wouldn't have felt right. It would have felt incredibly fan servicey. And that's one of the things that I appreciated about that moment, that it was not fan servicey to the people who are like, Oh man, Cersei's going to get it. Yeah, Cersei's gonna get it, and I'm like, that's not what this show is about. I think it's kind of a fifty-fifty. The way I'm approaching the, you know, being of service to your fans, is is just not doing a disservice to how do I put this right? Not doing a disservice to the characters that you've already laid out in a way. You know, jumping the shark is a term people use quite a bit. You know, in TV, you know, Fawns jumps a shark on skis. What the heck is going on there, right? Since when is Fawns wearing a leather jacket jumping a shark? You know, that is kind of the, the, the thing that I'm talking about is, you know, you're taking these characters that you've, you've laid out and you spent all this time with and you've had fans spent nearly 10 years with you doing this, and then it's almost like you just kind of like take a left turn. I think it's understandable that some people might be perturbed with that, a little less with, than just saying, well, what are you doing to this person I love, you know? You've got to you got to do this for me because I actually I don't buy into that because I feel like if if you're just gonna make stuff that fans want, then what's the point of of, of watching? Yeah, and you can't even make you can't please everybody. Movie. You know that's the other thing too. Um, but yeah, I some of those things with Danny, I I didn't. I'm also doing this because I'm still getting over a little bit of a loss and a little bit of a grumpiness about the fact that I didn't want them to do the whole Danny's a Mad Queen thing. Yeah, I just didn't. I, I I thought it was cliche. I think it was entirely predictable, and I think it's I, also problematic. And it goes against this whole. I understand. Okay, she burned people here, there. She's always played, and oh, Targaryens have always been. I get it. Okay, fine. But there's been this hero that they've been building up, and I think I invested more of my fandom in that hero, and now I feel like they've just taken a left turn without giving me enough to take that left turn. You know, they, they've just, okay, Mad Queen now, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping yeah. you're right. No, Maybe I, there is, there's some sort of tie up at the end of this that will subvert our expectations, <laughs> but like, you didn't know they were all sick with yeah. the extremely communicable disease. And if they got yeah. out of the city, everyone would have gotten sick. And I think you're right. Like your, your point about like, you know, are they writing it for fans or something in this point? Yeah, I am mad as a fan saying, why didn't you write this for me? You know, why didn't you write Danny for me? But see, I don't I, think that's I think what that's, you're saying, though. I, I, I what I think do. you're saying is that you have written Danny a certain way, uh, Benioff and Weiss. And you did not do a good enough job to make it clear to me why her core righteousness is now gone. Right. Like, okay, she doesn't have advisors. She has always taken advice and then done whatever she wanted anyway. Right. Like, the fact that she doesn't have advisors now does not mean that she is some morally rudderless person. She has always had that core of righteousness. And I will continue to say that word because that's exactly the thing that the character is missing now. Yeah. 
in uh, the horrible act that she did. Which, by the way, let's talk about let's talk about just how violent and just depressing that was. <laughs> like that was that was a moment that actually made me feel like I was watching Game of Thrones again. That everything was desperate. Everybody is a bad guy. Um, yeah. And that felt true to Game of Thrones for once. And yeah. they did it for really ham-fisted reasons and the wrong reasons. And they exaggerated it to make it clear that Danny has done wrong and we can't just cheer her on despite doing another horrible thing. Um, but it felt it felt like I was watching Game of Thrones again. The battle scene was... You know what I mean? Like the Dothraki... You remember back to season one, like... Mm-hmm. When uh, when Danny marries uh, Cal Drogo, they say something along the lines of like a wedding with only three deaths is considered a boring affair. Oh, yeah. Like the Dothraki are brawlers, conquerors, and and just they go in and destroy places yeah. and take slaves. Well, That's that was her whole did. that was her her whole going against the grain with them, right? When yeah. she was the leader, she's like, okay, no more of this. We're gonna act this way now. And everybody's like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know. You, you walk in here and say no more pillaging and stuff, you know, no more like just slaughter like we do. And and I feel like, yeah, that's what the Dothraki do. The, the battle, though, the thing that got me weird with the battle is that um, the Unsullied and the Northmen. Mm-hmm. Northmen, maybe. The Unsullied, I, 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 okay, yeah, they'll follow, you know, Grey Worm and whatever he does. And um, and his whole, you know, his thing being heartbroken and all that I get and makes him kind of maybe break bad. But I feel like they uh, I feel like those are the last ones I would expect to kind of go off and do the meanless violence. It seems like maybe. Yeah. OK, they're following the lead. But it I just I have trouble going. OK, like there's surrender, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much about it. I can see them doing it. I just don't see them doing that, you know? And then the nobody listening to apparently the King of the North who's saying, hey, don't do this. And now we've got rapists in the group and now we've got more people like that. It just, the whole thing of like, yeah, everybody's a villain. It was just like, okay, this is, now I just, now I just want everybody to die. Like I just wanted everybody to die in that city at that point. Maybe that's what they wanted to do. I just felt like that was kind of a disappointment. Like all the, I'll use your term, all the righteousness was gone. You know, it was drained out. Something about that city. You enter that city and then everybody ends up like a Lannister or something. You just Mm -hmm. don't care. You're just going to kill and do everything. You know, This moment, like the overall draining of righteousness from from all of of the forces, Mm -hmm. good, good or bad, protagonist antagonist felt like I was watching Thrones again because that's something that they've tried to make clear from the very beginning um, that when these armies move through the land there is a cost to the people living there that these armies are there there's 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 the rapes there's the murders there's the the runaway soldiers who just go off and be bandits instead because they don't want to fight in an army they just want to take their weapons and make their living on the road somehow. Yeah. These are things that we see throughout the show early on. Like, uh, even when we're reintroduced to the hound, when he's helping build that church, for example, um, brother Ray played by Ian McShane for exactly one episode <laughs> is killed by people posing as the brotherhood without banners. Uh, Sir Beric and Thoros of mirrors band of, um, merry men. Basically they're kind yeah. of Robin hood type characters who 
who are good marauders, but there were people out there impersonating them as bad marauders. And I believe that they were either Northern or Riverlands people who were doing that. They weren't Lannisters. Yeah. And it's one of those moments where it's made clear to you that this is a brutal world and people are getting by in incredibly brutal ways yeah. and people are living and dying in brutal ways. And I actually like this episode much more than most of this season so far. Oh, yeah. Despite what they've done to Danny, which is just terrible. Um, I think that if they can turn it into, it wasn't just an emotional choice, it was a political choice as well, then some of that can be salvaged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that the futility of everything felt like Game of Thrones to me. Like one one palatable ending for all of this to me is that the cycle of violence goes on, Danny takes the throne, and she kills everybody who ever cared about her in order to do it, and that's the ending of the show. She yeah. gets her Iron Throne, but at what cost? It's incredibly tragic, and it might not be the most fan-happy payoff to all of this, but it seems at least true to the story that that's what could happen. It'd be like you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. Yes, story, exactly, yeah. yeah. Can can you tell me your interpretation of this? Because I think this is one of the things that I've been having trouble with and things that I don't understand is that there's the moment when the the bells ring, Danny and Drogon are on the wall, and they're looking out at the city, and she sees the castle, the castle that her family built, right? Mm -hmm. This is the city her family built. And somehow in her mind, you can tell she's pissed off, and you can say, okay, everybody's going to die. I'm destroying that castle. Like, I didn't get that, because to me it seemed like her whole mission was, I'm going to get there, I'm going to sit back on that Iron Throne, I'm going to show everybody the rightful ruler is back, game's over, I'm back. But now she's basically destroyed what she was aiming for the whole time. You know, I just I didn't. I don't think get she has. But I mean, the throne is a an object, right? What she's really after is ruling. Okay. Like the throne is always a symbol. Like she doesn't need that particular throne in order to yeah. sit the throne. Uh, she doesn't need that particular castle to rule the seven. But kingdoms. the castle her family built. I mean, isn't there any sort of like sentiment? Like, okay, that's my castle. I that's mentioned my family. Yeah. I mentioned this in passing, uh, in the recap, but they also built Dragonstone as well. Like, yeah, which there's, uh, which is my preferred castle. There's ancestral, the uh, Targaryen <laughs> stuff all over that region. Like the, the Kingsland reason region and then uh, Dragonstone as well. And there's a bunch of, uh, uh, other families that have Targaryen blood in the seven kingdoms as well. Like, Part of the discomfort, I think, from where you're coming from is that as a show watcher but not a book reader, you don't have as much history and context to fall back on. And the show has narrowed its focus so much that now we think that as viewers, that was her goal, that building, mm -hmm. that seat of power, that particular object. And that's just not her goal. Right. Well, that's that what Danny has been yeah. saying. Like, until I sit on the Iron Throne, I will be on the Iron Throne type thing. I mean, that's that's the show right there. That's basically yeah. her lines. But by um, Iron Throne, she means like I will yeah. rule the Seven Kingdoms again. It's. I brought up this distinction later on when uh, I'm talking with Nick Allard, but I basically made it a Gilmore Girls metaphor. Um, <laughs> you bring up like, what do we want from this show? Mm -hmm. We have one episode left to do that. Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking that no matter what, there is going to be outrage because I don't think anybody's going to, everybody's going to get what they want it, entirely, 100%. I think a lot of people have been saying, okay, what, they'll just give it to John. 
that's the cliche thing to do. That's the easy thing to write. And, and I think like people have been thinking they won't do that. That's too simple. And but maybe that's just actually what they're going to do this whole time because that's the most simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of all like the other like great finales of shows like Seinfeld, uh, The Wire, uh, Sopranos, How I Met Your Mother. And it seems like no matter what, like there's going to be people on Twitter that are just going to be terrible. You know, it's, I hate this no matter yeah, what. Yeah, let's talk about that. You let's know? talk about the role of Twitter really quickly. So there's been a very vocal crowd on Twitter uh, who have been unhappy with the show, including myself, although I haven't tweeted as much about it as much as uh, kind mm-hmm. of do this podcast. I try to save it for the show, you know? Thank you. Um, and there has been the counter take to that, which is uh, twofold. You have the people... Uh, griping, thinking that they're clever, being like, uh, remember when fans of things actually enjoyed the things that they yeah. were fans of? And this goes both for like Star Wars fans who turned on The Last Jedi, for example, uh, and Game of Thrones fans who have turned on the last two and a half seasons or so because it's not the show that it used to be. Um, and then uh, the other criticism that uh, all of the people unhappy with the ending of Game of Thrones or just unhappy because it's not going the way that they wished it would or imagined it would. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the real ending and it doesn't live up to what we had thought or hoped it would be, that's why we're unhappy. All right. Why are you unhappy? I I, I think that if I was going to sum up this, the thing is I'm not actually that unhappy. There's things yeah. I can I can like pick apart and criticize and I think that are disappointments. Like, for example, like, yeah, in my mind, the emotional impact, the emotional buildup that I've had for Cersei, I would have wished something different. That's just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, but that's not like a when you thought th- when you talk about like a plot point like that, there's no right or wrong answer to it. It's just like yeah, I would have preferred this. I think um, the thing that's happening now, if if I have a problem with it, I just feel like. They could have brought a show that was groundbreaking in a groundbreaking direction, and I'm fearing that they're just going to kind of do the simple answer, which was Jon Snow gets to be king. End of story. You know, and and it you know we just kind of see. But what's amazing is that that I feel like that's simple. That didn't start out being the simple answer, right? Because in the first episode, we think that he's the bastard son of the Lord of Winterfell, who is second in command to the king with no clear line to uh, advance to the throne at all. Yeah. Like, if we look at the arc of the entire show, he's an incredibly unlikely person to end up on the well, throne. He's the reluctant It only seems that way time. now. Yeah. It only seems that way now because we found out whose real parents are, which was one of the main mysteries of the entire show, going back uh, all, all the way to the, the first book. Yeah. I promise I'd tell you about your mother the next time I see you. Yeah, he, he seems like he has momentum now. Yeah. It, it wasn't always that way. Uh, it's also it's almost like he got out to a big lead, and then we think that he's the front runner now because he yeah. has a lead. And maybe that's it. Maybe they're they're gonna set it up that way, and we that's not what we get. But and like I said, I'm happy if John gets the throne. I'm happy if Danny gets the throne. Frankly, I'd be the most happy if Arya gets the throne. That's a whole other fan. There's fiction no way thing. that's gonna happen. I know it's a fan fiction no thing, um, but. That is kind of the thing that they kind of set up. I, I just feel like, I don't know. They're, they're not going to make you happy no matter what, but just some sort of like 
new direction, and I feel like I'm just not surprised maybe by it. I have more than I have a movie length episode left to go to be surprised. I'm going to be surprised. They're gonna do something surprising. So if yeah. there's if there's any sentiment that I'm expressing that like, okay, I have a disappointment in this, it's not a sentiment that says this stupid show, you know, I hate it and kick the ground. It's just more of like, um, I, I feel like a groundbreaking show could have a groundbreaking end and, and maybe I feel like I'm not gonna get it, you know. Um I think that goes back to the whole fan centric thing of, you know, why aren't you writing this show for me? But you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm totally fine if everybody walks into Winterfell and, you know, they just kind of walk through the door and someone's bringing up a meal to them and, you know, then another person walks through the door and they sit down at the table and someone's looking at a menu and then Journey starts playing and the show ends. Like I'm fine <laughs> with that. Yeah. You know, but, you know, at the end of the day, like you invest your heart into some characters and some storylines and you th- you kind of want to be a little bit more wowed at the end. And maybe personally, I, I kind of, yeah, you have a very good point about we look at it that way now, but I still feel like even if I'm looking at it now, it still seems, seems to be kind of like a simple answer to the whole thing. Just put the put the dude on who has, you know, royal bloodlines and, mm-hmm. and that will just be kind of down but yeah if anything i think that's the sentiment i think that's probably where it's coming from me i'm gonna be happy either way (laughs) i'm not gonna be happy either way i know that um i was definitely more frustrated by the show last week um and just been frustrated this entire season because it's not so much that the show isn't ending the way that i imagined it to it's that the showrunners the show writers just don't care about the same things in this story that I do. And that's mm-hmm. what sucks. They care about these big splashy moments. And that's, that's not what I came here for. What attracted me was the just unparalleled world building, right. um, the politics that went on within it and the fantasy adventure uh, aspects of it that had more realistic consequences than like a Tolkien fantasy right right that's all that's all i'm asking for and they're they're not giving me that it's watered so down this is an ending i hope that your theory that george R. R. martin has secretly finished the books and they will be out at some point <laughs> is true i have a lot of doubts uh just structurally i don't think that it's possible that he'd finish the books but i guess we'll see i have a couple other notes here that i wanted to get to i have one written down here in bold dire uh i need to remind you to ask me a question i did the departing from the books thing was my whole... It wasn't as much of a question as it was just a curiosity, and I kind of wanted to pick your brain about it. Cause, yeah, the show, the show, all of the writing has gotten yeah. much, much worse since they I, went off book. I have a feeling that we're going to have um, book fans and show fans. And, and up until now, there hasn't been like a, I'm a book fan or yeah. I'm a TV fan. I mean, like, Euron Greyjoy, who is completely badass and terrifying in the books, is mm-hmm. a caricature of a person in the show, and he died saying that he killed Jamie Lannister, easily like the 10th most badass thing that he would have done at that point in his life. And he was screaming after him, I got you. Why is he talking like someone from the 21st century? (laughs) I got you, though. I got you. (laughs) I got your nose. What is that, man? Like, that's just (laughs) terrible. They're not even trying to write to the world anymore. Yes, the writing has gotten worse. It does feel a little (laughs) bit sped up, and um, I feel like... Some of this might have to do with the fact it's 10 years. The actors want to go do other things. I get it. And then we're going to kind of speed through things. 
Um, yeah, everyone sounded miserable this shooting the right. this season. And I'm not talking about, you know, coffee cups on the table and, and things like that. Obviously, Did you see the shot from signs. this most recent one of Jamie not wearing I'm his not gold sh- hand? Is, is that not him not wearing his hand? Because I, like, everybody's, like, grainy <laughs> shot of, like, it the hand. gold to me. I'm like... Okay, wait a minute. Like, is it? I cannot tell if that's like just a you know the shadow over the the actual metal hand, or if that's his real like hand. You can see like the dirt on his hand. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. Okay. Maybe but here's it's the, the thing. dirt on his hand. You can find instances like that throughout oh, the yeah. entire run of the well, series. Well, any show like, you could find shows that Danny's the wig tie... isn't always right. Like she obviously yeah. doesn't have really white hair and just, just stuff like that. You but... could find stuff in any movie cup... where like the tie is tied this way this time and this time it's a little over that yeah. way, you know. Continuity errors. You're right. But the cup in particular was just so That's a big one. symbolic of yeah. them speeding things up to the point that they're like, wow. They could have had parchment cups, okay? <laughs> parchment cups Dipped in oil. They could have fixed it in post. There's so much CGI in the show. You didn't. They couldn't just like put a wooden goblet in front of it. Maybe it was so dark they no couldn't one see it. it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> All right, uh, you wanted to get to some of the other categories. Payoff of the week for me was seeing Drogon finally let loose. We've been hearing how right. terrifying these dragons are the entire show, and didn't even get any of that in like a flashback or anything. So we finally got to see. A dragon's power brought to bear, right. and it was terrifying. Yes, Pay imagine what three dragons would have done. Yeah, right. Or even two. Or even two. Yeah, Rhaegal didn't just, need to die. Right. One dragon is it uh, is more than enough. And I actually liked it because the way that I've been viewing dragons, particularly in this show, um, and I've never viewed dragons this way before. I've, I think fire-breathing dragons are always viewed as kind of like a flamethrower, mm. whereas these dragons are more like napalm in a way. Like it's just. Like it, it's explosive. it hits and it explodes, yeah. you know? I think that part of that is just the limitations of the special effects though. Like mm-hmm. where are you going to, you're not going to drop the charges into the frame. That's really hard to yeah. control if you're doing practical effects, which a lot of these are, and yeah. then CGI on top of it, you have to blow it up from the bottom. So part right. of that is just like the limits of filming. Well, not only that, but I mean, point. just you know looking I mean? at, at uh, Drogon taking down a castle you know, the fire doesn't just hit the fire. It's percussive. It, yeah, ex- percussive. I love that word. You're That's welcome. a good word. Uh, okay, my payoff is the uh, the fight between the mountain and the hound. I thought that that was one of the most picturesque, pick. beautiful um, things that I've ever seen. It's definitely, it's very metal. It's very heavy metal Darth Vader taking on the hound. Like, it's very... Did I say metal? Because that's really <laughs> what it is to me. Um, yeah, no, it was great. And then just randomly, like the dragon in the background just flies by. That was one of the coolest Walls things. Walls crumbling. If Ooh, you wanted to have a fantasy image, there it is. Like, yeah, it is Vader moment when the helmet comes off and you're exactly. like, oh my God, we're going to see his face. Right. And it's, yeah, it's really It's. Gross. I think that was probably my favorite thing out of this entire episode was, I mean, and talk about like, this, he's been talking about fighting his brother for quite a while now, and then he finally gets it. And I feel like they filmed it in a way that that totally works. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was actually pretty well choreographed too. I feel like some of the one-on-one fights sometimes aren't. Oh yeah, uh, but this one was good, especially two guys that essentially are just bludgeoners of sorts. They're they're not fancy swordsmen. Yeah, you know. Well, that, and that particular type of sword isn't really meant for like sharp cuts. No, it's meant for hacking. Exactly. Like it's not. It's not incredibly sharp. It can cut things, but only because right. you're swinging it super hard. So it's really hard, heavy. and you're a giant person doing yeah. it. Yeah. 
Cool. Uh, some uh, some leading theories. I have one. Tyrion needs to die. Really? How many times is Tyrion going to betray his queen and still get to be hand? It's ridiculous. How many times? See, a lot of those things are factors for me. Don't if, just fire him. Dracarys him. If if Danny ends up being the Mad Queen thing, then okay, fine, betray the queen. That's what everybody's going to be doing. John said, "You'll always be my queen." Obviously, that's not going to be the case. If that's the direction they go, if that's not the direction they go, and you're right, um, then yeah, you're fired. You know, he should be you, fired either yeah. way. That should be the first scene of next episode. Right. Is Danny being like? You're done here. I mean, he's supposedly like a very clever guy. and He's he not very clever. He hasn't been very clever last while. He was more clever when he was drunk and going to brothels <laughs> and thing. Like, apparently, do more of that, apparently, because that, that worked for you. It's the secret to his success. That's, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, the uh, Tyrion, I don't know. That, that would be another heartbreaking thing because I think everybody likes Tyrion quite a bit. I'm sure he'll have a nice scene. But the first 20 minutes of this episode, I was very annoyed with everything Tyrion was doing. Yeah. Like even when he goes and uh calls off the unsullied who are protecting Jamie's tent, I thought for sure one of them would be like, "Okay, you can order me to let you through, but I'm going to go tell somebody that you're in there and there would be people waiting for them when they left." Yeah. But instead they just get to leave because reasons they wanted Jamie to die with Cersei, like it Yeah. This is again one of those times where it felt like they were writing it backwards and uh-huh. needed to figure out a way to get Jamie out of that situation but then still have Tyrion and Jamie have their moment together. Yeah. And the backward storytelling is just not at all working for me. It's not very Thronesian. Yeah. Um I don't really have any speculation at this point. There's not much I've left exhausted. to speculate on, right? So let's let's get yeah. right to uh who do you think will be sitting the throne at the end of this? Arya. <laughs> Okay, all right, crossed. hold on. Break this down for me, then. I have no breakdown. I just think it would be cool. Obviously, <laughs> she doesn't want to be a lady. Yeah. She'd make a much better king, you know? So, yeah, I'd go for that. Maybe she tells John, John, we got to kill Danny. Like, this is a problem. She's another mm-hmm. tyrant. She's another Targaryen. She's just like the rest of them. We got to kill her. John says no. And Arya says, well, I have to do this. Right. If you're standing in my way, I got to kill you, too. Kills John. Where's his face? Mm. Gets in the room with Danny because Danny would be like, "Oh, John, hey, yeah, come on in. Yeah, uh, got my blood up from the from the battle. Let's have a uh, family time." <laughs> Gross. Gross. Um, <laughs> she goes in there and then she takes off John's face, kills Danny. Yep. Puts John's face back on and is like, "Tragically, Queen Daenerys is dead. I guess I'm king now." That's how she could sit. And the she rules as John. Yeah. Quote on air quotes, John. Yeah. Air quotes, John. Air quotes, Arya. Air quotes, Aegon the Sixth Targaryen. Interesting. Okay, I like That's that. That's one way it could happen. That'd be that'd be a fun way to happen. I, uh, but honestly, I think at at this point, I mean, it seems like, and okay, I get it. They could totally turn things around and like do things different in the next episode. But if if they're doing the Mad Queen route, and John's got to be another reluctant hero who betrays an oath then, you know, like he's done before, then I guess John gets to be on the throne. You know, that's yeah. where we're going to be. I, I mean, it's, my it's ultimate, Danny. I my, think it's Danny. Yeah, my ultimate hope, I like that. Okay. Team Danny, Team John. Yeah. I'll do that. I, after, I'll dig into Team John if you do Danny. After she finally did what she should have done back in season six, which is leverage the fact that she is the most powerful person in the world, Yeah. Um, it's it's been just open and shut to me that she should rule this entire thing. It's not by blood right. 
It's not by love of the people. In this world, might is right, and she is the mightiest. Yeah. Therefore, she will sit the throne at the end because she's willing to finally embrace that because counter to the rest of her counter development, she has given up on her righteousness that she formerly had. Yeah. The uh, the only other little point I'd make in there is that I, there has been a speculation I have put it out there before. I do have a little bit of a glimmer of hope that the cycle breaks, the wheel breaks, you know, that little thing we keep ah, going around. No time. I know. But, there's and no time. Then, I know, but they're rushing through everything else. Why not? I mean, so <laughs> that, that, that somehow that breaks and that they do get some sort of like, okay, here we go. New system of government. This is stupid. Stop killing each other. Everybody gets a lord. And now we have some sort of like, you know, government of sorts that everybody gets a say of somehow. Or I don't know. You know the main reason why that won't happen? Because we don't know any of the other lords in the seven kingdoms. Right, right. Like we just straight up don't. Anymore. They didn't we plant a lot of other seeds for me. Yeah, I know so. they didn't. <laughs> they didn't set the groundwork for that at all, which is yeah. why I'm saying there's no time. Like, what in the next episode are they suddenly just gonna like show up and be like, "Hey, let's all greet our new queen." Yeah. We're gonna introduce you to like forty lords from around the seven kingdoms. Now. What like, if all the other, happen. if all the kings die and then newly appointed Gentry just gets to, he <laughs> <laughs> just gets to be king. That'd be pretty wild. Yeah. That'd be pretty wild. I mean, be an interesting take. It's not yeah. going to happen, but it'd be interesting. In like the last five minutes of the show. That's all they get. Yeah. Um, unanswered questions. I'm there. There are two groups of people who I've been very curious about. And I can't remember if I said this last week uh, about the wildlings, but I was very curious about where they would end up, whether or not they actually go north of the wall where it's very hard to live there, but it is home. Uh, and now that I'm saying this, I am remembering that I did say it and I mm-hmm. hope I left it in the episode. Uh, but that was an unanswered question from last time. This time, where did the Dothraki go? Because they're used to the the quote unquote Dothraki Sea, these right. huge grasslands where they could be uh, basically nomadic people with only one true right. uh, landed settlement, based Dothrak. Uh, their one city where they would drop off all of the things that they'd pillaged from other cities. Right, uh, a city of statues and and monuments, basically. Where do they go in Westeros? Like, what's what's the plan here? Where where do they settle? Do they just pick a lord amongst themselves and like go to a castle and live that they way from become then like on? Like, Vikings they, they and don't they just know how to run a household. Thing. They don't know how to do any of that yeah. stuff. That's not what they're. That's not what they do. That's not what their religion calls for. Like yeah. they, they, yeah. The entire well, she thing, sends like, them back. I mean, it's that's been the really option. unclear where they're supposed to go now. Right. And the show, I don't think, is going to answer that question, so it's an unanswered question. I feel well. I think it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see what would happen if George ever finished the books. Other Nick um, brought up the uh, that issue, going like, why why are there still Dothraki there? Like, understandably, there were less Dothraki. Half, but half. They said half. Half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last episode, when they were taking account of how many unsullied Dothraki northern men, Knights of the Vale, etc., oh, were left. Yeah, good point. Uh, Grey Worm was like half, and then uh, some Dothraki captain, we don't know yeah. who, uh, was like half. Okay. And uh, yeah, very Alrighty. conveniently, even though it looked much worse than that at the time, uh, around half of them were left. Honestly, unless they get ordered to stay and figure things out, um, I, I see them just going back to the grasslands. I don't see that at all. It was very hard to... So the Dothraki called the Narrow Sea the Poison Sea because horses can't drink it. Yeah. Uh, it It was historically significant that Daenerys got them to cross the Narrow Sea. There's no way they're crossing it again just to go back. Okay. In that case, I don't know. You've you've got to settle them somewhere. 
Right. Where do they go? Well, wherever they want. <laughs> That's the Tothraki way. Wherever they want. Okay. Um, did you have any other quibbles yep. you wanted no. to get to? My my only one is that, and and this is partly repeating myself because I felt like it was backwards writing anyway, but I just cannot believe how far Jamie got. He's bleeding profusely. He got stabbed with like a twice 10-inch blade. Yeah. That's going to nick something. Should, should be bleeding pretty bad there. Yeah. Surprised at how many steps he climbed after that. He was fueled by love. A lot of stairs. Yeah. A lot of stairs. Gets the blood pumping, gets the blood pumping out of your yeah. body. Apparently, if you get stabbed in the midsection, though, that's the, you, you'll bleed, but that's the longest way to die from. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to back that up other than I've seen that in movies, so... Let's get to uh, your interview with Cairo 7's Nick Allard. We've been calling him the other Nick the entire episode, but uh, he is the one who is regularly on TV and we are not. So without further ado, (laughs) here's your interview with Nick Allard. Yeah, so, okay, I'm going to try to do a recap. Okay, I may just jump in. I am. I was gonna say, jump in, and if it totally sucks, because Nick likes to do these anyway, and there's no way that I can replace him doing these, because he's like the big brain on right. Game of Thrones. And since I don't have two tracks on this, I'm just gonna pretend that this really awesome heavy metal music I can is hear playing. It. It's either by The Sword or it's Metallica mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, um, or some cool cover of the of the thing. So. The show starts with some controversy around Varys, who's letting Jon Snow know that he knows that Jon knows he is heir to the Iron Throne. Right. And that he is both Stark and Targaryen, and Jon's not about it. He says Danny's his queen. He still doesn't want to be king. He's doing the whole reluctant hero thing. Still. But it appears Varys is further writing all this controversial information down in letters. Tyrion and Danny have a tense conversation about this information being leaked all around. She's not feeling at her best. I think they're planting the whole oh, yeah. Mad Queen yes, seeds right here. Varys is outed as a snitch, who, uh, which ends up leading to his execution via dragon Now, fire. did Drogon seem reluctant? He didn't want to do it, I feel like. He's like, okay, fine, Drakars. No, he did. You think he wanted to? I think I don't think you have to tell a dragon to do he that. Was if like, anything, oh, fine, I'll hold my beer. He had to like stand up and say, it didn't seem like he wanted to. It might. Be, I, I like the idea of holding. By my the beer. way, Varys had made it through the Mad King, made it through Robert Baratheon, made it through Joffrey. And right. He writes one note and he gets smoked. I have a feeling he was writing more. But I think he was too. Yeah, that's what. I, okay. Um. Good. All right. So, afterwards, Danny and John meet up for a whole "I told you so" moment because Danny was right all along about what would happen if John told his family about where he comes from. And then we also get a display of how John is struggling with this whole aunt slash yeah, lover thing. Yeah, have that in Winterfell. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pulling back from that. Completely. All right, fast forward a bit. It's right before the big battle at King's Landing. The Hound and Arya show up in the city. And Jamie also shows up in the city who has a whole longer side story that I don't really care to go into. I'm yeah. skipping past it. The Hound wants to kill his brother, the Mountain, and Arya wants to kill Cersei, and Jamie apparently wants to save Cersei, which I find stupid and did, disappointing. Did he? I don't understand any of that. I mean, I get if you don't want to yeah. stay with Brienne because you've been in love with this woman your whole life, that's fine. But yeah. the reason why he went back there made no sense to me. Is he just cho- well? Is he just choosing to die? I think because um, uh, he had always said he wants to die in the arms of the woman he loved. Right. So that's 
I think I honestly, it's writers giving the middle finger to all right. of the of the people the watching. Or whatever, exactly. You say it. Yeah. Um. All right. Before the big battle, Tyrion gets Danny to agree that if the people in King's Landing ring the bells, it means they surrender, and there's no reason for any more killing. And John is made aware of this deal. Tension is high. Uh, and to speed through this immense uh, series of bloodshed and violent carnage, Danny approaches the city from the seaside on the back of her flying, uh, fire-breathing dragon, Drogon. And despite all the previous worry about these dragon-killing scorpions, no, she takes out the Iron <laughs> Fleet in no time. Then she moves onto the walls of the city and takes out the forces there. Then she takes out the soldiers in the front of the city so her own forces can storm in, which they do, which is led by Grey Worm. The forces in the front of the city, was that the Golden? It was uh, the Golden Company. They had 20,000, their cell swords, 20,000 of them, and led by a guy whose name I, I'm blanking on, but my favorite part about him is he didn't get a line. Not yeah. one. No, they I just melted him it. down. It was all in his face, though. <laughs> yes, it was. He was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Um, okay, we finally get a moment where it appears Danny has won, and uh, she has. And all of Cersei's soldiers inside the city throw down their swords. They surrender. Tyrion is watching for those bells to yep. ring. Yep. And... Wait for it. They do. And so they did it. They won. All the forces win on Danny's side, uh, but she doesn't seem to care at all about that and <sighs> continues to destroy the city. I have a huge problem with that part. Killing soldiers, innocent residents, children, anyone, fire and brimstone. Uh, Grey Worm continues the bloodshed on the ground. His his yeah. turn to his Breaking Bad made a little more sense to me. All right. he's ever known is killing. He's a soldier. He was raised, and the one person that loved him for him, right, and that he actually loved for the first time in his life was murdered. I I'm right. not saying what he did was cool, but what I'm saying is I, his turn to the dark side made more sense. Hers, granted, she's lost a lot of people. She won. All she had to do is just go yeah. blow up Cersei. Like just, just go melt that thing down. I have further confusion about that, too, later okay. on. Um, so now we have Unsullied, Dothraki, and soldiers from the north, too. It's a, the, it's the a killings, massacre. The massacre, yeah. the mosh pit of sorts in the city. Uh, John has this, oh, crap, this is wrong look on his face. Did you watch Arrested Development? You know how they always say I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. I was, I, sadly, I laughed. I swear to God. I was watching. I was like, oh, no, he's made a huge mistake. I made a terrible mistake. Yes, and that it's exactly what he thought for the first time. Like, the Ned Stark and him melted away, the and he's like, oh, my God. Okay. Now, throughout this lengthy attack, the rest of the episode, Cersei has been watching from the castle on high, and she has this kind of arrogance about her as usual. It's just like, it's all good. We got this. Yeah. Keep on keeping on. Oh, my ships are gone. It's cool. It's just cool. Keep going. She's just not. She's a, in denial. Exactly. She's not willing to accept it. So now we move on to the Hound and Arya. As they've been getting their way into the castle and after traveling all the way from the north to this castle, which is now crumbling under this dragon attack, all of a sudden the Hound is able to convince Arya now, after this giant trip, that, you know, revenge ruins you and you don't want to end up like him, so she should leave. And she's like, okay. That didn't seem to fit. That makes sense. Didn't seem to fit. Okay. The Hound moves on to find the Mountain, his brother and enemy. And the Mountain is supposed to be protecting Cersei, and he's ordered to do so, but he disobeys. Which was strange. Yes, and he kills Ky uh, Kyburn. I never get this Qu name it's right. It's either Kyburn or Kyburn. I think I always said Kyburn. Okay, so I he kills Kyburn while he's at it. Um, then the Hound dukes it out with the Mountain, 
who now looks kind of like a heavy metal Darth Vader in one of the most picturesque yeah. fights that I've ever seen on screen. Have you seen that screen cap of of, of the mountain looking up, or the hound looking up at the mountain, and there's a dragon flying exactly, over? Exactly, yeah, right? really cool. That's when I heard Ride the Lightning in the back of my head. It was just, That, uh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, okay, so then the hound, this basically ends with the hound tackling the mountain over a ledge and falling hundreds of feet into flames Has on the ground. Flames. Has to be Has flames. Has to be flames. Yeah. Yeah, and then I actually wrote a side note here. It would be really nice if someone edited this fight sequence to a burial's blade by the sword. Mm. Early, you told me for whom the bell tolls. I thought for whom the bell tolls would fit. I think you win on that one. That's That seems more apt. All right, I'm almost there. <laughs> J- elsewhere, Jamie has a chance encounter with Euron Greyjoy. <laughs> so annoying, Euron. Which, it, it, it's not captured in this uh, summary, but it's really weird that he just suddenly shows up yeah. at the same spot. He's a great swimmer. They fight. Jamie is stabbed twice. He kills Euron. Uh, he finds Cersei and tries to get her out of the castle. But amid all the crumbling building around them, that's increasingly not likely. So they have this big I love you moment before being crushed by all the brick and mortar of the castle coming One of my down. coworkers said, well, she's still alive, right? I said, no, no, she's she gone. Yeah, like, she's they're gone. both dead. Yeah. Um, the show ends with Arya escaping all of this mayhem um, that is part explosions and part mosh pit, and there's a lot of blood and dust everywhere, and she witnesses innocent people dying, needless destruction, and when all is said and done, she sees a pale horse that also survived all of this. She's all of a sudden Clint Eastwood and Pale Rider. Exactly. That's exactly one of the yeah. references I made. Yeah. And she rides out of the demolished city. Is there anything that I am leaving out? No, I don't think so, except for some of the unnecessary parts. Well, I mean, I'm backing up an episode or two here, but if you want to talk about they just let somebody die the wrong way. I can give you an hour on the Night King and the Long Night. That really bothered me, man. I'm not over it yet because okay. the episode was so amazing. And then all of a sudden, all this build up to a prophecy and that a prince or princess that was promised. And, oh, Arya's here. Cool. Oh, it's, oh, it's over. Oh. You didn't like that? I love the show. I love the episode. I've watched yeah. it two or three times now. Um, I didn't like that she – I guess I needed – I. It's, it's the same thing. I expected the Lightbringer thing to come up, and I expected some part of a prophecy to be more fleshed out. Yeah. But that just let me down. That was the only problem I have the entire thing. Yeah. Of I really like some stuff that's more supernatural, and so when they got rid of that element, I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the sevens. The first thing you see are three Rangers getting killed yeah. by White Walkers that look so much different than they did towards the end, uh, and then they they eliminate the, the the Night King so quickly. And then now it's just go fight Cersei. They, I do feel that that there's there's something there, and that they do set up these expectations of supernatural storylines weaving themselves through. Right. And they don't really pay off a lot of those throughout this show, especially if that's all we're gonna get from right. that Night King thing. Yeah. I really wanted more of more than just some sort of brand looking back in time, and and this is how the guy was created. But it, like. Who was this guy? Right. I think he's a Targaryen personally, even though that doesn't work timeline-wise. It could be. I know I everybody think it's tells even me that. Before Valeria was around, right? But he was riding a dragon. You know, that was my whole thing. Yeah, like a dead dragon, and that has to do what not, he says. Not hurt. You know, hurt by like he. Okay, I know everybody can shoot down my theories. I'm just well. Here's the other like, thing. In the books, Daenerys is only not hurt by fire once. Targaryens are not necessarily immune to fire. Okay. Yeah. So in the books, her hair burns. 
and it's considered I think Jorah considers it a, I mean he does in the in the show too considers it a miracle because not all Targaryens I think and somebody mm. should have to if I'm wrong please let me know but should usually not be immune to fire I'm okay. pretty sure on that so I don't know if that would apply to him but I will say my favorite moment of that episode was the smirk he's like what yeah burn me again I don't care <laughs> like you finally he get it. a little bit of emotion from the yeah. guy like the one time that he does do a smirk because before like when like He's raising everybody on the home, shores. Yeah. 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 And doesn't do anything doesn't there. Do anything. But yeah. You know, just a little side note here that uh, that I, I think will annoy Nick later when he listens to this. <laughs> uh, uh, just to go back to Gilmore Girls, there was this whole uh, segment. Back to Gilmore Girls? <laughs> yeah. Just... <laughs> Where did we ever start there? Oh, I'm always at Gilmore Girls. Oh, it makes uh, sense. I'm always at Stars Hollow. But um, so there was this whole thing about how. Uh, um, Lorelai's mad at her mother again. Yeah, Lorelai's. No, she's she's reading um, the book Wild, and she wants to go do the wild walk, you okay. know, up and down the Pacific Coast Trail. And um, she shows up, and the, the rangers basically show up, and they get everybody that's ready to hike and goes, all right, all right, everybody who read the book, get into this group. You'll <laughs> want to take this trailhead. Anybody who watched the movie... Get over here and take this trailhead. It's That's going to get more experience. I have a feeling we're having a similar thing with Game of Thrones, yeah. where we're gonna we're gonna have all these distinctions because you keep going back. Well, in the books, right? In the books. And the funny thing is, we're I gonna have. This. I haven't read them. I've only oh. read the first book, but I'm that oh, okay. much of a nerd that I am an internet internet oh, okay. machine figuring out what's what. I think the Night King was a Stark. Real, yeah, I think that's the prevailing theory. Because there was a three-eyed raven, so he couldn't have been the three-eyed raven. I think he was a Stark, and he was just one of the first men. that. And then, you know, maybe his kid was branded and had to blah, blah, blah. And we might even figure that out because they are doing the long night, the show. I mean, it's taken place 8,000 years ago. That's one right. of the spinoffs I think that they're doing. So maybe we'll figure that out. But I, I guess the long story short is too late that I was let down by so much supernatural buildup and so much yeah. time spent on it that all of a sudden... You never get a fight with John. Okay, fine, that's one thing. But then you just, he's just gone. That's it. Yeah. And where did Bran really warg off to? Was he really in just Ravens? It just it just seems so weird to me. Yeah. I, th I thought that'd be more involved with him influencing the past to get to this point. Maybe we'll still see that, but I was just sort of let down by it. I, they have one more episode, but I have a feeling we're not going to get it. I think it's going to be like that's not the knowing what the they... mystery box is and lost. So, going back to Nick's format, he likes to recount... Who died? Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> who so this one we actually had. I think we had an episode this season too, where like only like one or two people like died. Yeah, and they weren't at least main characters. There. Yeah. So Varys, the Hound, mm -hmm. the Mountain, Kyburn, Euron, Cersei, Jaime, and then I just wrote down everyone, yeah. um, soldier <laughs> or citizen in King's Landing. They're gone. Um, am I missing anybody obvious here? I don't think so. I mean, of the main characters left, it's John, it's Arya, it's Danny, it's Tyrion. This is Grey Worm. Uh, I think that's it. Seriously, yeah. that might honestly be it. And I feel like Tyrion's uh, kind of counting the minutes. I think so too. If she like gains power, yeah. I mean, if if well, the question is, what color eyes does she have? Because the book is purple, but in the show, what color eyes does she have? Are they She's green? Blue eyes. Are they blue eyes? I, think yeah. I don't know. Because if they're green, then Arya's going to kill her. Okay. Mm -hmm. Explain this one. To All right. Me. So, uh, Melisandre said to Arya, and I think I want to say season two or three, I can't remember, I think it was after the Red Wedding, but I could be wrong, that you're going to shut eyes, and then she said it to her again, the long right. night, shut eyes forever, brown eyes, green eyes, and, and blue, blue eyes. eyes. So um, I don't know if she's shut any green eyes, she probably has, but everyone's theorizing that that uh, Daenerys will be the last one. So let's, let's talk about that, that's actually interesting, because uh, they'd spent a lot of time with Arya towards the end of the show, 
and it was almost like a World War II epic yeah. where everything was exploding all around her. Uh, everything was com- coming down, and then at the end of the film, it's just her and this pale horse riding off, and it almost like made this point. They made this point of like adding these characters in of like a mother and her daughter throughout the whole show. You kind of followed them, and by the end of the show, Arya's trying to save them, and they just die. Right. Um, do we think Arya is now running off with more revenge on her mind? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think the idea... I thought that I saw somebody on the internet say that the girl of that mother and daughter was taking care of that horse. I don't remember that. Uh. But what I do remember thinking immediately was one of two things. One was the whole pale, what, pale rider thing, and what did they say? Right, and right. Then was the Bible verse? I don't know it. I know more about death Ghostbusters. Death comes quotes. on a pale horse. Yeah, there was yeah. a pale horse, and on its back was death, and then something yeah. followed. Hell right. followed, or whatever it was. Um, that or Bran sent the horse. That's what other people were saying. I think that these guys are, the showrunners are way less supernatural, so I think it's more like, she's yeah. just going to kill some people. I have a feeling that that's, I don't know, we have this, like I said, John's face during the whole show was kind of like this oh crap moment. Yeah. The thing that got me, that really irked me, was all these guys from the north that are now fighting their way through the city and raping their way being through horrible. the city. I know. And being just, like, just being terrible because all these battles we've seen, especially with, like, Danny's um, forces have been, oh, let's go liberate this place right. or let's go take care of, you know, Cersei's because they're forces because they're, they're jerks, you know? Right. Um, we've never really gotten this before. Well, just stepping back from the Northman part, which I'll come back to, but if you go back to when Jorah and Danny bought before she freed all the Unsullied, Jorah said, you won't, these soldiers won't commit the atrocities that you try to stop with the Dothraki, because one of the reasons why her call eventually died is she stopped some of the other blood riders from raping women, and then they fought about it, and he got that cut, and then he got infected, and he died. So she didn't like that that's mm-hmm. what they did as the spoils of war. So Jorah said, well, one thing about these soldiers is they won't do that. Right. So it's already out of character for them. I think it's even more out of character for the Stark bannermen. Not that that kind of stuff doesn't happen in war, but you've never seen it. So I thought the whole episode was slightly out of character. Now, granted, there are a lot of times when they foreshadowed Danny. I mean, they literally took a shot from episode... Or season one, episode two, I think, when Bran had his first vision of King's Landing and a dragon flying over and there's a big shadow. Uh-huh. They showed that again. And then if you go back to, like, the vision of the uh-huh. Undying, um, and it might even have been part of that, a lot of the same stuff pops up. Everybody thinks that that the uh, the Red Keep and where the Iron Throne are, uh, it's snowing. It's not. It's just ash. Yeah. And so I think it will look very similar to that next week. So I don't know... If you could say Daenerys was out of character, but it seemed weird that all these soldiers all of a sudden were just doing what they were doing. But maybe that's just I, I, what happened in war. Well, it seems like there's this overall plot that they're kind of unfolding, mm-hmm. and that is the the wheel is turning, the cycle is turning, and it almost uh, and and playing in with the whole is she now a mad queen type thing. It plays into that that no matter who goes to that Iron Throne that this is always going to happen. Someone's going to want to come up and kill who's on the yeah. throne. People are going to keep battling it out, which kind of leads me to the whole, uh, is Jon Snow going to be this guy that actually stops it and says, okay, we get a parliament now, right? Or something along those lines. Hmm. But they sure took their time on, on Daenerys to make her look bad, I guess. I mean, again, they, they have yeah. shown plenty of times. I mean, they she burned the witch that, that didn't help her in the beginning with her baby. Uh-huh. She crucified the masters in Yunkai or whatever that was. Right. She has burned plenty of people. Well, this is the this is the thing that got me. Um, 
I would have wanted them, if, if this is the route they're going, I would have wanted them to have planted some much stronger seeds. Agreed. The, the witch is not a good enough one, and you know, slave masters is not a good enough one because that's her whole thing. She breaks the chains, right. right? And then burning, even burning down Sam's, you know, dad and and brother, it isn't even that. Like, okay, maybe that's a little harsh, but even that wasn't that much of a stretch for me. I didn't think so either. Right, and so now to just kind of do this thing where she. She wins, and then she looks at the castle, the castle that her family built, right? And it fl- it just it freaks her out, and she she wants to destroy it now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not bridging that gap. I'm not either. And I think I was I was reading again, nerding out. I was reading up on all the things that the not the hints that they've dropped, but the seeds they've put out there. I mean, even everything from like her grand uncle Eamon, who was the the maester at the Castle Black. Mm. He's a Targaryen. He pa- he said no to the throne. Then Aegon, who was Sir Duncan the Tall's, blah blah blah. What Duncan and Egg? Anyways, he said that a Targaryen alone is a dangerous thing. Um, and I think that that was in season one or season two. And they've always showed her do initially kind of not necessarily break bad right away, but but have the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of the the the, the first reaction to be bad. Mm-hmm. And then somebody like Jorah would step up or somebody under Kingsguard would say something and say, yeah, you, calm down, you don't need to do that. And then she would listen. Right. But I think that they've tried to show her being a little bit reckless, but not enough for her to just be sitting on top of a dragon and have one. And all of a sudden, why didn't she just go blow up the castle? Or why didn't she just, yeah. wherever Cersei was, just melt that? So jumping off of that point, though, you said that a Targaryen alone is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Because that was one thing I was kind of noting, and they covered this a little bit in the whole after the show right. summary. Um, that you know, Jorah's gone. Misandy, or <laughs> however you say it, is is gone. Um, Tyrion's not on. She doesn't trust Tyrion. Exactly. She trust Varys is gone. Varys is gone. She had the uh, the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. I'm blanking on his name. That he is still alive in the books, uh, but died in the show with Grey Worm before Grey Worm came back. But right, um, had all those people that would counsel her to not go crazy. Right. And then we had that scene, uh, an episode back or so, where all everybody is basically. Patting John on the back, yes. and go, this guy's crazy, and she's alone over there with her Starbucks cup. Yep, and like, yeah. Apparently, it was just a coffee coffee shop in Northern Ireland. So okay. so much better. Okay, yeah. so much better. So <laughs> anyway, their uh, parchment cup that they had yeah. over to the side. There was that. So there is this whole like you're alone, and now you're alone more, and now you're even more alone that they've they've subtly been doing. Right. But I say I don't think it's been as obvious, and it. To make that dramatic of a turn, I feel like you need to lay down some stronger seeds. I agree, and I think that that goes back to maybe doing it in another season or more episodes. Mm-hmm. They could have shown her insanity creeping in a little bit more. Again, the I guarantee you the showrunners will say we've known for a long time that she was eventually going to turn out this yeah. way because they've shown things. They went back and showed things that different characters have said to them that they're playing in her head and and – um, I think that they've really meant for this to be the case. I don't know if it'll be that way in the books or not. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even going to read the next two, I don't think. Um, they're kind of – they're heavy. They're a little heavy for yeah. me. Uh, heavy. Other Nick will. Yes, and he'll tell <laughs> and me what's what. And then he'll tell us what's Plus going on. Plus the internet's always telling me the difference anyways. But I, yeah. I agree with you. They should have spent more time on it. But I think that they will try to say we showed you how she has this capacity for evil. Um, payoff of the week. Is there – Something that makes you feel that it actually paid off the moment they leveraged the best. I loved when uh, when the Hound walked up and said, Your Grace, and then those four Kingsguard came after him. And he just took him apart in like three seconds. That was my favorite part of the episode, which is odd. I just, okay, you know what? He's been, he's been 
Aston his entire life, and he finally gets to just take care of these guys, and he's that much of a badass, and then he can go fight the hound. I love that part. That was complete fan service, too. Yeah. I mean, I think I think they may have planned on doing it because they did fight in season one at the tournament, but I don't think it would have been that important to them except that people could start talking about Clegane Bowl. Whoever came up with that has, uh, has, has changed the way TV was done because they had to do it. I really think that was fan service. Okay. This is my favorite part. Uh, throne Watch, who is in the lead for sitting on the throne at this point, but reckless speculation. I mean, we're, we're basically theorizing here. Who's in the lead, and what do we think is actually going to happen during this final episode looking forward? I had so many theories about how the Long Night would end and the Night King and the Three-Eyed Raven that I never really cared slash came up with any theories about the who was going to win the Iron Throne because it didn't matter. I, honest to God, thought coming into the season that the and even coming into the long night I thought the Night King would ride he had the whiny brother um, whiny older brother dragon I thought he was going to go to King La- King's Landing and just destroy it and then come back and the long night they would lose and I, there would be some setup to where again they figured out who the hero was and almost the entire season I really thought would be about ending the Night King and ending the long night so when that ended I was like oh god now I got nothing I, I See, I if I pat myself know. on the back, I thought that they were going to do Night King like half the season and then the game of the thrones. Which the I rest do know is it. what most of the show's been about. You're right. Well, you I know. think that Vegas would agree with you that however they do it, that John's going to be the number one choice. Right. But I think because of that, he won't be. I still think he'll mm-hmm. turn it down. I really do. Yeah. And I think he's so true to his word that even if he's not going to support Daenerys anymore, he won't do it. I think that there's secretly, sneakily, sneakily, mm-hmm. uh, sneakily showing, although she has zero claim to it, Sansa is the smartest person, you know, so they're, I don't think John is 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 savvy enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like Ned. He's just extremely honest. He's He's got his morality and he's a good fighter, but he's not, he's not a king. I don't think, I mean, he is a king, but right. I don't think he has in, I think he's like a king of the north. I don't think he has the, this, the, the wherewithal and the ability to play the game in King's Landing, if the game will still exist. So is there any final predictions you have? Is there any final, this is what's going to happen in, in in the last episode, I will bet $5 on it. Oh, my gosh. I kind of think, how, what's the worst possible scenario to you? I don't actually have a worst possible scenario. I'd be fine if Danny gets on the throne, honestly. She might. Yeah. I, I don't think she will because right. unless, if she gets on the throne, she's going to be full evil and crazy. Maybe she already is. No, I think I would bet money that John survives, but he is not king. I don't know yeah. why I think that, but I don't think I would yeah, I'd put 5 bucks saying he survives but is not the king. I don't know how and what capacity. So I'm going to call this the game of Nicks. I'm going to get Nick's pr- <laughs> prediction. I, like I got this Nick's prediction okay. and then we got my prediction and we will see yeah, probably via Twitter. Okay. How this plays out. That's on the internet. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a series of tubes. I need to get my Net Zero account back. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I got an uh, Amazon, uh, not an Amazon, I got an AOL, AOL oh. on a CD for you if you need it. Um, <laughs> hey, perfect. Thank you yeah, thank for you coming. For I appreciate it. This is fun. That's all we have for this week. Thanks again to Nick Allard for coming on the show and for just being a nerd out there on the television. Thank you, as always, to the Hoot Hoots for our awesome theme music. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed to the show and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also keep up with all things Northwest Nerd by following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Just search for NW Nerd or go to our website, nw-nerd.com, for links to all of those things. So with that, see you next week, nerds. Nerds.